0: The opinions expressed on the ACB media network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service, nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Part 2 of Choosing Where to Live as We Age, otherwise known as Downsizing. I'm Linda Perel on the co-chair of ACB Women, and we are sponsoring this event along with the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. This discussion will include um, three participants who uh, graciously agreed to share their experiences, and it's kind of a follow-up to the previous Uh, discussion that we had with three experts in the field and I hope that folks who didn't hear that one will be able to go back and hear it at some point when it's a podcast because it was extremely informative so our three um panelists today and, and I think I heard each one come in so I'm hoping you're all here first is Kate Chamberlain Kate is um a freelance writer and retired elementary school teacher who lives in Walworth, New York. Our second speaker is Jean Mann. Jean is a retired New York State employee living in Albany. And our final speaker is Linda Yaks. Linda is a widow, mother, and grandmother and currently lives in Harrison, Arkansas. I have a series of questions for you. um, And thank you again for agreeing to participate today. And we'll get through these and then take questions from the audience because I'm sure people will have a lot um, that they want to know more about. May I start with you, Kate? Um, Could you please tell us a little about your life? Before you had uh, saw that you need needed to make some changes, and in your case, it's with your home environment. Tell us about your family, your work, your living state, community—anything that is relevant to our discussion. Let so me know a little bit more about you.
2: Hello, Omaha and Zoom rooms around the world. I am Kate Chamberlain. I was asked to speak about what accommodations I made to stay in my home. So I will get to your question, Linda. My husband and I have lived atop our drumlin in western New York, western upstate New York for a half over half a century. We helped to build our split level home. In 1972, thinking it would be our starter home. However, we expanded as our family grew. I went blind 1985 when our children were 4, 9, and 11. We didn't want to move. So we made some accommodations. After all, I not only knew where the closets were, I knew what were in the closets. So to not let my handicapping condition handicap my family, I started with sensitivity training for each of them. While wearing a blindfold, each had to find the bathroom, set the dining table and eat. Then they had a free time. Then ride in the car to the ice cream shop. Now, once at the ice cream shop, they could take the blindfold off. We installed a driveway chime to alert me for cars and the school bus. I trained with a guide dog. Our church established a one-call Uh, for a ride where I I called one lady and she would call around to uh, find me a ride for whatever I needed. I painted a decorative stencil stripe on the edge of the tread for contrast while I was losing my sight, which only took 18 months. Then I was totally blind. I recorded... Voxcom magnetic strips on box mixes. I'd I'd always done things from scratch, but now I wanted to use box mixes, so I used the Voxcom. I brailled emergency phone numbers for family and friends. Uh, my My spices were always alphabetized, but now they have braille labels on them. Braille on playing cards and medications, which I did. I use tagboard patterns for sewing. I put braille to color the name color of the spools of thread. And I used a wire needle threader. My clothes are color-coded in the closet. Uh, high marks on the washer and dryer, microwave, stovetop, and oven. I set up a safe area for adopted toddlers to play in. When I was 55, we adopted a a newborn and his uh, almost two-year-old brother. I still use a Flobie to do haircuts. I learned the computer and uh, internet. We have raised edges along our brick paths Rope around the garden to walk easily. It's about uh, waist height. I would sit on my son's skateboard to roll on the boards of, of the square foot gardening to weed. We located our t- located our 20 by 40 foot swimming pool as close to the house as the code would allow. My husband didn't want me wandering out in the backyard getting lost when I wanted to go swimming. Other renovations to our home included half-height steps, which are about six inches instead of a full height, lever door handles, flat door sills, ramps, handrails on the stairs and shower, wheelchair-wide bathroom doors. Another very important accommodation is that my husband and I accommodate each other. I probably missed a few things that would be obvious to a visitor, but I hope you found something useful in this presentation. And I'd be happy to... Answer any questions uh, after when Linda opens up to questions. Well, that's Kate's two cents, and thank you for listening.
1: <laughs> oh, Kate, we're going to ask for two more, I think. Um, I uh, <laughs> amazing, you know. I would never want to move out of that house if I were you. In terms oh, of, they're, they're going like, to have take me out feet first. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you have really. Um, you are the poster child for planning ahead and it, getting everything <laughs> in place that that one might need. Um, uh, you didn't mention the hot tub, which I know you have too. I
2: did, um, Well, I, My goodness.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you did all of this some time ago. It sounded like while your children was still at home and growing up. Is that right?
2: yes, some was uh early on uh when I first became blind in 85 I was like the uh sensitivity training I, I thought was very important to do and then things were added as our family grew and and uh my needs grew um, so you know our major renovations were not all at once. Uh, there were five six eight years between the uh adding on the uh well, the hot tub room (laughs) and the front vestibule that has uh, a brick terrace that we planned. it it is going to be, it is height wise. It's very easy to add a ramp up to the front door. We did put a ramp in the uh, garage area already, but if need be, it's going to be easy enough to add a ramp to uh, the front of the house. And that's also when we did added the tub room, we made the wheelchair wide. Bathroom doors. We did, we worked with an architect and I loved it because he sat down and he said, Kate, tell me your dream. And so I did. So oh. we
1: tried. And now you have them. Um, do you or your husband currently you use a wheelchair or do you imagine that someday you might and that you're that's, prepared for them?
2: Yeah, that's future planning future planning. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Good. But I do have, I have a friend who's in a wheelchair, uh, but uh, she doesn't travel much, but you know, it, it's available if she needs it through the garage.
1: Exactly. If it right, you can invite people in who uh, fit that category. Thank you, Kate, for starting out. I think this is a good way to, to do this and we'll stick with it now. So, um, Let's have an overview from Jean. Um, You were a working woman for many years. At some point, you made a decision about moving to your current situation. Can you talk a bit about all of that?
3: Sure. Um, I I worked for New York State for 34 years, and I have lived in apartments um, since shortly after I started working. I'm single. Um, Somewhere around... Uh, 2004, a friend of mine said she had this place that she wanted to look at, and it was called um, Avila Retirement Community, and it was an independent senior residence. And so she asked me to come with her. So it's a what it is is it's um, well there are several buildings. We live in I live in what's called the Grand Lodge. And so um, it, there's an east and west wing, which are apartments. It's a four story building. There's a, probably around 125 apartments. And then the middle section is like where the dining room is, and the, the what they call the great room, and um, living room, and fitness center, and all the all the activity areas. I had been living in an apartment for oh, I, I was there twenty almost 21 years altogether but when we looked at this place it was full completely full and there was a waiting list and I was number 212 oh. and you had to, yeah so you had to put a, you put a thousand dollar deposit down if you thought you might want to live here someday and then if you decided not to then you could get your money back I put a deposit down I didn't think I would ever get here you had to pay an entry fee to get in. And basically most people would sell their house and that's how they'd have the money to get in. And then depending on how much you paid to get in, you might get part of that back when you left, or if you died, it would go into your estate. So as time went on, my friend um, decided she couldn't afford to live here. So she took her name off the list and they called me occasionally and they offered to show me apartments. And I said, you know, I can't afford it, can't afford it, can't afford it. And then they would call and say, we're going to have thus and such an activity. Um, Would you like to come? We're inviting some of our potential um, residences for lunch. And every time I came, I thought, I really think I want to go there, but I'm never going to be able to afford it. I should really take my name off the list. But I didn't. And one day, it was really funny because my cleaning person quit. Two or three things happened that made me really want to get out of the apartment I was in. Um, plus I was retired by then and my back, I was starting to have some back and knee issues and I was really tired of going up and down the stairs to get to the laundry room. I was on the second floor. I was tired of carrying that laundry up and down those stairs. And I was really tired of sharing that washer with five other apartments. And I said, wherever I go is going to have its own washer and dryer in my apartment or I'm not moving there. And I want to move once and then I don't want to move again. So several things happened and I can't remember what all they were, but I got a call one day and I started with the, I can't afford it again. And she said, I think you can, because we have a few apartments that we're offering for a 0% entry fee, which means you'll pay less to get in, but you won't get any money back should you leave. So I said, well, yeah, but, you know, come look, can't hurt to look. So I looked at several apartments and I picked out one that I thought I might be interested in. And I went home and I called my parents who had checked the place out because, you know, they had to make sure it was okay. And they started asking me questions about my finances and what I could afford By the time we got done talking, my mother was rearranging my furniture in the new apartment, looking at the floor. (laughs) So, yeah. So um, they came, we looked at the apartment. I decided I wanted it. I put down a deposit for 10% of what I was going to have to pay. And I moved in three months later. If you you don't mind, I'll go on. There's probably some of your other questions I'll, I'll be answering now. Um,
1: yeah,
3: yeah. go ahead. Yes, they, they, yeah. they um, when I moved in, they said to me, we will give you $600 toward your moving costs. We will also recommend that you use this woman in her company was called senior moves. She'll come to your apartment, she'll check out what you have and tell you what kind of things you need to get rid of and what you're going to have room for what you can keep. And they said, and then when it comes time to move, she will come and she will pack up your house and she will unpack everything once the movers bring it. So she came and suggested some things I needed to get rid of. I did have to downsize quite a bit because I went from a two-bedroom apartment to a one-bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, She came the day before I was going to move and she packed up my house. The next day she came and she said to me, make arrangements to go to lunch someplace. So when the movers left, one of my friends and I took off. We went to lunch. We came back to the apartment a couple hours later. Um, She had somebody else here with her. They had my furniture arranged. I had told her pretty much how I wanted it arranged, how you know, as much as she could. She had my furniture arranged. She had everything put away in my cupboards. I had to look around to find things later, but it was all put away. My bed was made. My computer was set up. My cable was hooked up. I mean, everything was done. It was unbelievable. I had moved several times and I never had a move like that. So basically her thing was when you when you get in, I want you to be able to start living there the next day and not have to worry about it. Well, there, you know, there's still a few things you have to do. Um, my parents came and the next day we went back to the old apartment and they took a few things home and went to the store and picked up the essentials like the mustard and ketchup and stuff like that that you don't bother to move, you just throw out. And I was in. So that's how I got in. I I can, uh, the staff that was here when I came was absolutely wonderful. I wouldn't say it's quite as good now, but they started working with me once I decided to move in and they started sending me emails saying, if we send you this, can you read this? Can you read the handbook? If we send you the monthly calendar, can you read it? Um, They asked me, my apartment is 222. They said, how do we make those dots? They found something. I don't know what they used. They marked my mailbox. They marked my little cubby. The the internal mail goes in. They they told me to contact somebody at the Association for the Blind here. They came in, marked my washer, my stove, my you know all those things. So they were like super super accommodating.
1: So how long have you lived there
3: now, Jean? A little over ten years. Ten
1: years. Okay. Yep. And and you had retired before you moved in, right?
3: I retired about, um, let's see, I retired in 2008 and I moved in here in 2012. So, um, yeah, almost, almost four years. Yeah. Yeah. I had decided that I wanted to be out of my apartment where I was by age 60. I didn't know for sure where I was going to go, but I said, I want to be out by age 60. I actually moved in here when I was 58. Hmm.
1: So how is that environment in terms of things like getting around, going places, um, uh, community involvement within the facility and
3: outside? I live fairly close to where I did. So I can still go to the same church. I still see most of the same friends. Once I learned my way around here, it's easy to get around in here. Um There's another building called the lodge. It's a smaller building. It has about 40 some apartments. I used to go over there to eat sometimes because I had friends over there. They have a shuttle thing here that will take you back and forth. There are also cottages. um, So they'll bring you back and forth. They provide uh, transportation for medical um, transportation, which is a godsend. Um, When Mm -hmm. I had back surgery and knee surgeries, um, I had lots of physical therapy and, Cabs are hard to come by these days. And when they, even when they were available, it would have cost me a fortune. So um, they do take you to doctor's appointments. They have a bus that takes us to um, shopping. If we want to go grocery shopping, it's at 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm not a morning person, so I don't do that. They do a four mall circuit. Uh, actually, now they do it twice a week. They do it once in, in the morning and then later they'll do it at like one o'clock in the afternoon on another day. They do trips. Um, They have a a 2023 passenger bus. Um, So they will do trips. I've taken some, not lately, but I have taken some. There are a lot of community activities. They bring in people for concerts. They're starting to do a lot of wellness things. Um, They have wine and cheese every Wednesday, no, Thursday. They, they do ice cream socials like every other Friday and during the summer. Uh, Lots of card games, trivial pursuit. We started. All kinds of things. I, I don't take part in a lot of them. I do some, but I, I don't take part in. In I'm a lot younger than most of the people here, so I don't. I really don't take part in a lot of the things. I have kind of my own life outside, which a lot of the people don't. But it's there if you want it. That's
1: great. I, <laughs> I, I don't need you know like dollar to dollar details, but like, does your monthly or annual payment for rent and what have you uh is it taken out of your account on on a uh, ongoing basis or do you pay a flat fee
3: you know going in and then you pay, they listen. you pay what you pay to come in then you pay and, and like i said depending on what you pay to get in i won't get any money back but you know most people right. do um right. then you pay a monthly fee which um goes up every July, <laughs> every July. You can guarantee it's going to go up, but it includes, uh, we have a meal plan. You get 42 credits a month. Um, lunch is one credit, dinner is two credits. You use them how you want. There's a continental breakfast, you know, that it goes to pay the staff. It goes to keep up the maintenance. It goes for all the extra little things, the trips and yeah. stuff, that kind of stuff. If you go to like a, you know, museum or theater, if there's a, you, you pay for extra for that, but they just charge it to your account. And every yeah. month it comes out of your account. They send you an invoice. I do auto pay because it's just so much easier. Um, so whatever, whatever you do, we even have a little store and they just charge everything to your account.
1: And they do things like uh snow removal and trash oh, yeah. removal. All that yeah. Kind of stuff.
3: Yep. I mean they shovel so out. You the don't, yep.
1: Yeah. So you don't have to worry if there's a big snowstorm up there. The next day, if you want to go out, you can. Yeah, pretty much, unless it's yeah.
3: like you know three feet or something.
1: Then it might take. <laughs> well, Gene, and that's it for the moment. Let's see, Linda. You live in Arkansas now. You lived in Colorado in the past. What prompted the move?
4: And and uh, you
1: know what? How are you situated now?
4: I had to make decisions. You know, we had to make decisions together on what we were going to do. What really started the downhill or uphill, however you want to look at it, changes was my husband was in an auto accident in 2011 and broke the C2 bone in his neck. Now, fortunately, he could still, he was able to re- rehab and walk and so forth, but that began to change our life. Um, he started falling quite a bit. And so, I felt that I needed some more assistance than I really had in Colorado at the time. So, And he had never had the opportunity to live close to his family. We'd always lived by mine. So in 2012, we moved to Michigan and lived close to his brothers and their families. In 2014, I believe, my brother-in-law passed away. And my sister-in-law was wonderful to continue taking care of us as much as she could. But Dennis continued to fall and was then diagnosed with Parkinson's. Spent lots of different times in rehab, rehabbing to come back home to get strong again. In 2015, my sister-in-law said to me, I just can't do this anymore. I'm really sorry, but I, I need you guys to make some other kind of arrangements. And God was in this because at exactly the same time, my son found a house here in Harrison that had a basement apartment that we could move into. It had a a ground level exit out of the apartment. So we moved on Labor Day weekend of 2015 into that house. Dennis continued to have issues and really became wheelchair bound. And and I was his caregiver. We did have people from area agency on aging come in and help us figure out things. Uh, at the agency here actually does have a component that you can hire, caregiver support, caregivers. And so I had someone coming in for an hour, three times a week, and they were giving him a bath and taking care of that kind of detail. And But he continued to, to worsen, and so this is going to be hard um, today.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Today's his birthday. So I'm, I'm struggling a little bit today. Um, in 2018, I was helping him stand up one day. Well, let me back up just a step. A few weeks before this happened, he had become pretty well bedridden for about a week and realized I can't take care of him if he's bedridden. And we had used all the money that we had received from the sale of our house in Michigan to buy a handicap accessible van and to buy an electric wheelchair and to pay caregivers. So I was really running out of money. One day um, I was helping him stand up and I fell. And thankfully my bed was right behind me because if it hadn't been, I think I would have been really hurt. And bless his sweet, sweetheart, he said to me, how much longer can you do this? And I said to him, I don't think I can. Well, fortunately, my daughter-in-law and son and I had talked about what was going to happen. And because they could not financially pay for someone to continue coming in either. And my husband did not want my daughter-in-law doing his personal care and my son had to work so we had gone and looked at nursing homes and um, had talked to an assisted living place and realized he was beyond the assisted living and so uh, I had put us on a waiting list at one of the best nursing homes I think it's the best nursing home here in town and he had spent a rehab stint in one of the other nursing homes so we knew that was where he was going to have to go first so after he said to me i don't i told him i don't think i could do any longer we i took care of what was happening at the time and then we sat down together and i said here here is really what's happening here are your options and um, he didn't want to go to the nursing home real bad, but he understood it was necessary. He was very concerned for my safety. So I was so blessed that he's the one who kind of made that decision for me. Mm-hmm. So he moved into the nursing home on July 31st, 2018. My mother passed away on August 10th that year. And so if he hadn't been in a nursing home, I would not have had the, the uh, resources for anyone to take care of him while I went to Colorado to be with my mom in her dying days and to attend, you know, the the family things that had to happen after that. He's in April, on April 1st of 2019, he moved from uh, that nursing home to Hillcrest nursing home here in town, which is a nonprofit nursing home. And I highly recommend when you start looking for facilities, Check out the nonprofits first, because the money that goes into them goes back into the home and not to a corporation. Sometimes they don't exist, but I highly recommend checking those out first. And uh, on April 1st, we, I moved, I and the people from both nursing home moved him to the new home, and my son and daughter-in-law closed on the property that we currently live on. So my living accommodations now is I have my own little two-bedroom house, wonderful kitchen. I live across the grass from the, the big house, which my son and his family occupy. And, uh, and so I have care if I need it. Uh, my daughter-in-law has since gone to work. so my, my, And my health issues are coming up to where I'm going to need uh, dialysis, et cetera. My daughter has moved back to the States from the Czech Republic, her and her husband and, ch- and their oldest child. And so she is available now to do things if she can. I did use our Senior Wheels program extensively to get myself back and forth to the nursing home for Dennis's visits. And even through COVID, he wanted me to come. And so, because I said I can talk to him on the phone. But he told my son, I want to see your mother's face. So I would go up to the window or the door that we were visiting with him through. And I would put hit my hands on the, either side of my face sometimes and say, hi, sweetheart, I brought you my face.
2: <laughs> That's cute. What a wonderful oh. tribute to your husband.
4: So that is kind of the story that of, you know, um, I, I have been through all of the Medicaid application process. Um, I know how to do those things. I can give you information on, researching uh, accessible vans etc like that and so I've been through some of those things that, that um, you know that that are difficult decisions to make and I will just say that the area agency on aging here in in uh, Harrison has been just fantastic to give me resources and to even give me help and so that's that's that that part of the story.
1: Thank you Linda. Um, for that beautiful story. You are a wonderful member of our ACB Women's Committee and I think a frequent contributor to the community call, so people should definitely keep an ear out for what Linda does, also does for ACB, and of course, Jean and Kate do a lot as well. Before we move to questions, I wanted to see if any of you had recommendations for... Our audience, um, particular pitfalls, or particular things that you would just recommend that would make things easier as they, as we all make those choices of where to live.
4: I can um, talk to that a little bit. Yeah, make please. make those choices while you still have control. Yep. If your family comes in and they have to take control, and I, I, I this experience came from from dealing with my mother she refused to have any kind of a um, go into a home and so you know she would not downside she would not make those decisions and I am sure that many items that she would have liked to have gone somewhere went in the trash. Make those decisions while you have control and look at ways to make your homes as safe as possible. I can't really climb safely anymore And so, my daughter just recently went through my house and helped me organize my home and get rid of even more things so that I don't, I very rarely have to use a stool now. So, that would be one of my recommendations to you. While you still can, while you still have control, get the information on what's available in your area for services, what's available in your area for places to live, what's available in your area for transportation. Do it while you still have control.
3: One of the things that when I would go down and talk with the marketing people and the resource intake person, I don't know what her title is, but she's a social worker and works with, you know, people and families and stuff. And one of the things they said to me was, some of the people that have come here have waited until they absolutely cannot stay in their houses anymore. Absolutely cannot. And by the time they get here, they're they're too too old and too frail and, and, and too disabled to really enjoy um, an independent living center community like this. Something we have people here that, you know, came in and, and when, when this place first opened, opened, nobody had walkers, nobody had canes, nobody was in a wheelchair. Now there are so, you know, obviously people age and they're not going to tell them they can't stay, but there are so many people with walkers and canes and, um, there are some people that never come out of their apartments. They have they have AIDS twenty four seven, and the only reason they stay here is because they can afford to. I don't know how they afford to, but they do. Um, this is not a um, I, I forgot what you call it, but you go from the independent living to the assisted living to the you know right. nursing continuum office. of care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an independent yeah. living, and if you can afford to pay for that continuum of care yourself. And, and, and they will help you find resources that you have to, like, bring the people in. You can do that. But they one of the things they said to me was, you know, if people would move in when they were a little bit younger, they could really enjoy the independent living part of this place.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Yep. Kate? Okay.
3: Oh, I
2: don't know. As I have advice, I know for our situation, if... I die before my husband. There's no issue. As it is, I have to beat those widows away from him. But if he dies first, he is cited. Uh, most likely the, uh, the 18, the the first three kids who are, you know, all adults and basically middle-aged now, uh, with the four of us would get together. Most likely we, uh, I would take my things that I want that are special for me. All right. Throughout the years, as the kids want something, they put their name on the bottom of it, whether it's a, a rocking chair or a dresser, they put their name on there so they know that's what they can take. But um, my daughter's house has a first floor studio apartment that she rents out. I I, w- I would either kick that guy out or move in with him if, if I were left alone. But uh, you know that that's where we're on. I mean, in in two weeks, I'll I'll be my age will be uh, double hockey stick. So we're still young. We we're, we're not really, you know, we're not. We'd like to stay in our house. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know as I can give anybody advice other than we
1: have pre-planned, and we have our paperwork in order too. That's good. That's important. Can't be a emphasized enough so why don't we uh, open it up to questions and maybe we can take a few more than than we managed to get into the earlier call since there were so
6: many then Um, thank you my name is Carol I'm calling from Maine this has been delightful and timely for me I'm 79 years old and live in my own home I'm blessed my husband I'm a widow and just over the last month have been doing exactly this kind of thinking. I'm still, I'm, I am visually impaired and my vision is failing, but I do still have my marbles and they still kind of click together pretty well. I uh, can get around, but my my daughter and her daughter and one of my daughters in law were up just within the last few weeks and we went and started doing the looking around. I have no plan to leave my home at this point, But over and over again, I've seen people who um, waited until we have to find its place tomorrow, as Mm. you were just indicating. So I'm in that place right now and have gone and looked at several places. And it's been very, very interesting because, yes, they are expensive. And I'm fortunate. And that would be one thing I would suggest to people who might be thinking about this. Really take a serious look at your finances and figure out where are you at, what do you need, and um, how much money do you actually have to spend if you need to move or if you need to bring people in. And one of the things I noticed about the places we looked at was they felt like kind of almost like high-end hotels a little bit. And so I've got to expand my looking to to warmer places and I wondered if anyone on the panel or anyone else in the rooms on Zoom or whatever has done some of that looking and found what they have found and experienced. Um, the other thing I would say is we, I did also sit down. We sat down with a lawyer. I've got a pretty simple estate planning thing, but it really felt so good. It was simple. Was It took 45 minutes of that. Um, and I, it was not terribly expensive, overly expensive, I should say. And I have the paperwork and she's, I've got that to look at. We'll, the kids and I will go over it. But just any other suggestions that, that feet on the ground kind of stuff of looking and how you found places or looked at places, even if you didn't end up in them? Thanks.
1: Carol, can I just, before you leave uh, back off, can I just know your last name, please?
6: Sure, it's Mackie, Carol Mackey. Yep. Okay. I'm,
1: I'm Linda Perel, and it just happens my husband and I are going to be leaving San Francisco and moving back to Maine where I grew up. Oh. So you might be hearing
6: from me. Oh, please. Yes, that I would be delightful. Sure. Yeah, where in uh, Maine, if I may ask. Where the are Portland Portland area? Portland area? Yeah, well, that's where I am. Yeah, I'm in Cumberland, oh. which is outside of okay. Portland. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's oh, please do. Down. Well, yes, please. So, so
1: I asked a very interesting question about finding a place that's warm. I love that. Um, any thoughts
6: on that? And oh. I didn't mean that geographically. I meant that. Okay, in, that's
4: no, yeah. right. <laughs> so. I, no. I, I will tell you. First of all, I want to say this. Most states, if not all, do have a resource in their government listing or someplace where you can see how all of the caregiver-type facilities are rated. Now, I will tell you, just because something's rated a five-star does not mean it's really perfect.
7: Mm -hmm. Um, And
4: for one thing, staff shortage adds a huge thing. So another thing I suggest when you start looking is, do not make an appointment. If the place will not let you come and see it without making an appointment, I'm probably not going to be interested unless I have to. And the reason is is that they can, make, you know, there's things they can do, like get all the trash out of the hall or whatever if they know you're coming. Um, and that's something I also suggest to people. If you have people in caregiving mm-hmm. facilities, don't let them know you're coming and come different times of the day so you can really see what goes on in the facility. Uh, People who visit their family often, I will tell you that family member gets priority. That's a sad thing. My daughter worked in a nursing home for a while and she told me that is exactly right. But checking into um, your state organizations, if you can't find something, check with Health and Human Services and of course, Area Agency on Aging. And they can help you get a list of the places in your area to go visit and they can help you. I mean, by being able to see the rating, at least you have a little bit of an idea. And again, they will also tell you whether the facilities are profit and or nonprofit. And Mm -hmm. I truly believe if I could possibly get into a nonprofit, that's where I will go.
3: Well, that now you're talking more about nursing homes. If you're looking for like an independent, um, independent place like like I'm in, I heard about it through a friend who heard about it through somebody else um, around here. I don't know what they do up there, but around here, all the places they advertise on TV, like crazy. Um, mm-hmm. When I, when I came here, there weren't so many around. And actually there's only a couple in, in right in my area um, that have what I wanted. Some of the independent senior places are more like little houses or cottages where you have community activities, but you do all your own cooking you know, you're cleaning, You, they're like condos, you take care of everything inside, they take care of the outside. This one, my friends call this my cruise ship. Um, they've come here for dinner and it's, um, and, and, I mean, we have facilities in our apartments, we can cook if we want, but they, they call it my cruise ship because we have, um, it's called fine dining. And if you want, you don't have to do this, but you know, there's an appetizer, there's a soup salad, there's <laughs> dinner, there's, you know, the whole works. And 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 the day I came to look at the place, they were doing a, I don't know what they called it, but it was like a Mardi Gras kind of thing, and they invited us to stay for lunch, <laughs> which didn't didn't hurt their cause any. <laughs> um, but a, a place like this, you do need to make. I mean, you could stop in, but you really do need to make an appointment for the, somebody mm-hmm. to show you around, and and they will. There was another place I was looking at, but they were still in the planning stages and they didn't have the style apartment I wanted available. And then right after I decided to move here, they called me and told me somebody had canceled. And did I want to put my name on that list for that apartment? Um, but it was a little bit out of the area where I lived. And I, I really wanted to stay as close to the area as where I was living as I could. But I would just, you know, like, I I, I assume these places are also listed like Linda said, but, um, and just check your, you know, your TV commercials, because if they have openings, they'll be advertising. And, yeah. and I,
6: I will, uh, I will so just add that I did, I did, um, I have worked with someone and he, he does, um, and it was mentioned on the earlier call, what he does, it doesn't cost me anything to work with him. But he, he has a small business and how he does it, he's in touch with the, with the facilities, and he he makes his living by getting a, um, a commission from them when he places someone there, mm-hmm. but there's not a pressure thing. It's, he's got to just oh. see lots of people and yep. stuff. And um, that's are. been very, very helpful. Yep.
7: Yep. This is my <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yes. My name's Mary Lynn, Ohio. Quick question. Um, I agree. You should go in unannounced. Is there a national list? Of retirement places in case someone's not sure where they want to end up. Number one. Number two, is there a listing of ones that are blind friendly? Because a lot of places they don't know what to do. They don't even know what blind means. They go, Well, we'll give you a large print. you hoo, I can't see anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, number three, and my last, is have you ever seen any that will let you rent an apartment for a month so you can get in there and really see what it's like? And you could furnish it. You could rent furniture for a month because that's the only way you're really going to know what it's like.
3: I did see that happen here um, not very often, but there was somebody that moved in for months and he decided he liked it had an apartment fixed the way he wanted it. Unfortunately, he died before he actually moved in. But he was going to, you know, I don't think they do it on a regular basis, though.
8: So I'm willing to answer that a little bit since I I did some, um, and we have someone else here too. This is Jeff Tom. So number one, I don't believe there is a national list, although I suspect that the, you know, a place for mom and these particular, you know, navigators or whatever have lists because they they have to in order to stay in business. Um, number two, about being blind friendly—that's a joke. Uh, there is nobody that has a list that I know of of places that are blind friendly, and in fact, and, and in part, it's our own fault because we do such a terrible job of advocating in the nursing facility space. There are very few nursing facilities that i know that are really blindness friendly notwithstanding the fact that it is estimated that 50 of people in nursing facilities have a vision impairment and we have a lot to do on our on, and with respect to advocating in that space in in acb and and throughout the blindness community and the third question i it was my experience that um some places would let you see more than others. Sometimes the small places would let you see more. The danger with a small place, it's, it's not a chain. And that can be a good thing. But the danger with the small places, they, of course, have just many times a couple people that, that run the place. And, you know, oh. your, you may need more assistance than they can adequately provide so on the other hand the danger with the chains is they don't care they just want your money so you know there's a lot there's a lot to look at when you're placing uh, uh, yourself or a parent or loved one or whatever so and uh Jean marie is it okay is it okay linda we have Jean marie moore who want to make a comment on that question as well
5: hi so i'm Jean marie moore i live in eugene i'm a licensed clinical social worker and what i can tell you is that like, Touchmark, for example, it's the top of the line cruise ship. But if you look at the organizations that own places, and frankly, it's an investment for a lot of real estate. Um, elder real estate is a pretty amazing investment. And if you, um, if you, if you can contact, get lists by learning which national, which companies are national and. I just had an experience where one guy moved to San Diego. And if he ever wants to come to Eugene to visit, he can stay in the um, place that's up there for like three days or four days. So, um, and in terms of blind friendly, yeah, I I agree with Jeff because I've, I've, you know, helped some people that are in in, um, skilled nursing facilities and other other places, but blindness is, it's still a pretty feared disability. And um, I remember in the NFB, they'd say blindness is just more feared than cancer. And I have to say <laughs> that's one thing that, that I kind of took with me because there really is a lot of discomfort until, like I have a training piece and I say, please don't try to imagine how I do things because that'll freak you out please ask me how I do them <laughs> stuff like that.
3: Well, I don't know what about nursing homes, but around here, I just pretty much advocate for myself. Um, one of the hard parts is that the staff changes and every time somebody new comes in, you have to kind of retrain them. But, um, but I, I just, I just advocate for myself and, um, I don't know everybody here, but somehow they all know me, you know how that goes. Um, people say, hi, Gene, And I just say, hi, I, I don't know who I'm talking to all the time. Um, but everybody's very friendly. And um, I just, if I need something, I, I know who to go to to get it. So that's what I do.
4: I'd like to just make a quick comment. I faced a lot of this with a real financial situation. We had nothing other than the money that my husband got from his insurance settlement for his car accident. That was gone rather quickly by you know, taking care of things for him. So, I want to point out, because a lot of people don't know, but there's actually a separate Medicaid program for seniors. It's different from the straight Medicaid program, and you, you have to really research that. But you can make more money on a Medicaid program for seniors and qualify than you can on the straight Medicaid program. And that's how I were able to get my husband into the nursing home because we qualified under the Medicaid program for seniors. And then they took all of his Social Security, of course, except $40 to to pay his, go toward paying his monthly rent. But I did want to point that out because it took, I didn't know that until my mom, I needed help for my mom. And, and so a lot of people don't know there is a separate Medicaid program. Thank you. Who's next?
0: Connie. Hi, Connie again. So uh, like Linda, I was the primary caregiver for my husband who was sighted um, and he helped me with a lot of stuff, but he passed away. Um, But when he was ill, the roles were reversed and I had to take care of him. So, um, you know, we, he wanted to stay in the home. So I used home health care services, caregivers, home hospice care, and we were able to accomplish that. But the thought that crosses my mind now and I asked this in the last call is so what happens if when I start having house I live alone now, he's gone. I'm totally blind, I live alone, family, no family close by. I'm pretty independent right now and I own the house, you know and I and I'm very independent right now, but what's gonna happen down the road if I start having health issues, I'm gonna be turning 65 in August and I'm, so I'm not getting any younger. Um, so I guess my question to all of you is, how did you decide, what made you decide to move out of your house? And how did you decide, decide what kind of place to move to? Because I don't really want to wait until I'm, my health issues are so severe, then I end up in assisted living or, or nursing care, you know, nursing home. I think I'd want to move before that point and maybe perhaps live... In an independent place, because I think I would like a place with activities, but at the same time, my energy, I like being around people, but at the same time, my energy level for being around people is not as high as it used to be. And I don't know if it's the grief or just old age or what, but it's like I can take people for about three or four hours, and then I want to be by myself because I'm pretty private. So anyway, that was a mouthful. Sorry about that. So if anyone wants to address that, I, I would appreciate it. Thanks.
3: Well, you probably want to, you probably want to find a place, either an independent senior place like mine or one of those continuum care places so that you don't have to move. um, And they would help you make the decision when you needed to move from independent to assisted living um, to, you know, if you ever get to that point. Um, And I, I honestly, I, like I said, I, I found this place through friends uh, way before I was ready to move here so probably you should start looking now um, yeah. I I don't know if you're in any other associate you know groups or anything where you could hear of places like from word of mouth I'm, I'm assuming that that what was that place you suggested Linda there's a state list or something I would assume that independent um, senior housing places would be on that
4: list but I don't know they should be on that list, but I can. I think one of the places I might start, Connie, would be maybe doing a little bit of Google research, but yeah, also, yeah, also go, you know, get in touch with your area agency on aging or their equivalent mm-hmm. and start getting information from them right now. I'm so proud of you for understanding that you have to make these decisions for yourself because it's tough. Mm-hmm.
3: And, and make sure you tell them you don't want Section 8 housing because that's probably what they're going to. Uh, they may think that's what you want and you don't want that. You know, you can afford something other than that. So, right. um, make sure that you tell them that. Thank you. This and is also,
1: Michael. it's probably good to put your name on lists. As soon as oh, you yes. identify something that might work out, get your name on the list. Doesn't mean they'll let you in tomorrow,
3: but at least you're
1: a little ahead of the game with that.
3: It doesn't mean you ever have to go there either. Right, you know, right. but it means that if they have an opening and it might, it might be a little bit sooner than you think you're ready to go, but you might decide, well, now's a good time. And, um, we've had people here that you said, yes, would you hold the apartment for me? You know, I'll, I'll pay down the deposit, the 10,000 or the 10%, but I need to, I need to sell my house. Um, so we've had them that that's happened where they will keep the apartment. I don't know if all places will do that, but they've done that here. Uh, not forever, but for a few months to give people time, you know, to sell their house and, and get out and move from one place to the other.
7: This is Michael Byington. And, uh, I really appreciate you all doing this panel. Um, uh, I came to learn, but I wanted to share that about uh, 20, 25 years ago, why well, my wife and I had to help my mother with these decisions. And now I'm in my late sixties and she's in her mid seventies. And we're thinking about, uh, making the transitions. My wife still desires to live in her own house until they carry her out feet first, or so she says. And (laughs) I certainly understand that. But just having gone through the experience, a couple of things that I did want to share is the places that offer continual care that you buy into, and they're going to take care of you that no matter what happens, the rules that were mentioned earlier apply even more to those areas. And in those type of places, you don't want to just ask to see the independent living area and to live there, but you want to show up and observe each level of care that they purport to provide uh, at uh, odd times. So you really know what's going on in assisted living. Are those people really happy with the assistance they're getting. Uh, How does the nursing home smell if people have to uh, have health problems where they have to go into total care and uh, how much space does the person actually have? How many of their own things can they have around them as well as the staff issues and so on. And so uh, the, the, the one thing I simply wanted to add to this is when you're looking at continuous care facilities as a possibility, which usually do, Uh, require you to sell your house and put most of your savings into their program to ensure your care, you want to look at everything, every level. Thank you.
1: We have, yes, it is. Um, There's a comment I want to make before we go to Zoom. Another thing to keep in mind when you're looking at places that you might live is that think about the composition of the staff. How comfortable are you going to be with a staff composition that might include quite a number of newly arrived folks from other cultures whose English may not be... I I, I know how frustrated blind people can get with people who don't speak English clearly at times. And you better be clear... And I've always said that I want to learn the language of the people who are going to take care of me when I get to the nursing home. And I haven't figured out which one that is yet. But, but that is a consideration that um, the staff, you will want to be an, uh, an open minded and tolerant person who, um, is, who can learn to communicate with people who might be quite different from you.
9: Another- we have Sharon. Thank you. Um, this has been just wonderful. Um, for anyone who's listening who might be a little younger than probably most of us in the audience, I think it's a really good idea to get some home care, what's the word for it? Insurance. Long-term care insurance. Yeah. I was fortunate to be able to start that quite a while ago, and I'm hoping that, that it will stand me in good stead if I'm able to continue to live in my apartment and have people come and assist me. Uh, But you never know. My question is, um, from what I've heard from people on this panel and others, assisted living is not, if you're not poor and you're not rich and you're in the middle, it's really tough. I don't hear much Mm -hmm. these days about rest homes. And I don't know really what the difference is between assisted living and rest home or like what gene is in independent living. It sounds like you're getting meals, but maybe not medication assistance kind of stuff. So I'm a little confused about the levels that are out there and what the wording means, if you know what I mean. So if anyone has any comments on that, that'd be great. Thank you.
3: You're right. I don't get medication assistance. Um, I'm totally independent senior. And the only thing they do is um, they have a little thing, they flip on the doors at night. And if you don't open your door, by a certain time in the morning they come uh-huh. call you and you know make sure that you're still alive. So <laughs> that's good. you know, I mean people are we have people over a hundred here in their nineties. You know, yeah, they do okay. have they have found people that died during the night. So yeah. you know, they just check in the morning, make sure you're you're okay.
4: I might be able to address so. that question to some degree. Um, to be in the independent living center, you really do have to be independent. In an assisted living center, it just depends on what that particular center does uh, um, give you. And that's a question you really want to ask. What services do you really offer? They, the one here that I have looked into and probably will go into at some point does take care of medications. You do get meals. You can be as independent as you want to be there, but you, um, but you can get help if you need it. There are conditions that you have to satisfy to be able to go into an assisted living facility. There are also criteria you have to meet in order to be able to go into a long-term care, uh, nursing home facility. And to answer your question about rest home, in all honesty, I think that we've replaced that name
5: yes. with, with long care,
4: with long yes. care uh, facility.
8: Yes. So it's skilled Sharon, nursing I, I just want to make a point about long-term care insurance. So- it is almost prohibitively expensive anymore no, to I was get gonna say that long-term health care insurance. It's yep. yeah. Yeah.
3: I, I think the price has gone up because they, people are living longer than they expected when they started. Mm-hmm. That.
8: Just a
9: quick question. I'm wondering, Jean, this is Ann Brash. I just wondered how you're feeling uh, with the people that are older than you. Do you find age to be a real uh, problem if you're younger than they are?
3: No, I really don't. I just, Some of them are just into other activities than I am, or they're, you know, because they play cards or because uh, uh, dinner is a big social event around here. And so a a lot of people never lived alone, never ate alone, don't want to be alone. So they find groups kind of to hang out with. And, you know, I lived alone for 30 something years, 40 something. I don't know. I lost track. So I, I have no problem. Um, Eating alone and, and a lot of times I bring it up here and I eat up here because then I can have it when I want. They, we have two dining rooms downstairs and they had a little dining room when that was open. I used to love to eat down there. There was a little table in the corner and I, I could sit there. People would walk by and we'd talk or whatever. I'm not one a lot of them it's like every Monday they do this with this group and every Tuesday is with this group and I'm not into that. but I, I don't they're very, very nice people. There's some of them that are they're, I don't think they have a mean bone in their body. They're really, really nice people. But a lot of them are, you know, quite a bit older. They're like my parents' age, if my parents were still alive. So wow. I just, I like them. I like them all a lot. I just don't socialize with all of them.
10: This, I'm, I'm almost 69, and I, fell in, I have had both of my knees replaced, and I'm retired, and I live alone, and I don't have children. My siblings live alone as well. Um, so the issue I'm running into, I... I actually got to live in a rehab facility that has different levels of care. And I started thinking about moving in, But, and I looked at one of the apartments. But the things that really held me back was, one, the cost. It was like $5,000 a month to live mm-hmm. there. And that's a whole lot more than what I'm paying on my mortgage and everything else. The other thing was that the space issue – and. You know, I love my Braille books, and I just wondered if you read Braille, Jean. how do you manage that? Because I think, you know, it wouldn't have a room for my Braille Bible and all the things that I, I have. And the other thing was, the woman told me that the average age of people was 83. Well, I wasn't ready for that. And even though my sister was ready to pack me up and move me in, I just said, no way, Jose. <laughs> I don't know how to work through the cost factor. I mean, I see both sides, but it just seems prohibitively expensive.
3: Well, my cost is a little over 3000 a month right now. Um, it was like 2300 when I moved in. So you see it's gone up a lot. Oh. Every year, as far as the Braille, I have a Bible, too, and it takes up. I have two bookshelves. It takes up three shelves of one of my bookshelves, um, my my music for church takes up probably almost one and a half books. I just, I have a couple of baskets. I have different places. I keep things, but I just, at some point you just have to get rid of some of it. I mean, you just can't keep it all. Um, so I just don't keep everything. The age factor didn't really bother me because I just come and go and do what I want. And when I want to be with the people, I can be with them. But when I don't want to be with them. I'm not, I'm, you know, I have my own apartment. It's 800 something square feet. It's not super tiny. So I, I have no problem with that. You know, I come and go as I please. And and when I want to be with them, I am. And, you know, when I don't, I, it's like living in my own apartment. I just take advantage of some of the things that are offered. And the ones I don't want, I don't use.
1: 800 square feet is very good, Jane. You're very
6: it's, a, it's a good size.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. So we have to wrap this up with with enormous thank yous to our three presenters and to the wonderful audience that came and and provided great questions for us looks like this is a subject that could uh be relevant for conventions going forward and and uh jeff and i can talk about doing programs during the year with AAVL and the women and um keep keep the conversation going so thank you all very much for coming today thank you linda
4: I just want to say quickly, Linda, thank you for inviting me to come and do this. It was an honor.
1: Oh, it is my pleasure, Linda. You contributed so much. Everyone did, um, Kate and, and Jean and the whole crew. So thanks, everybody.